Hey, this is Spanner for the Spanner and Riggs Show, and we are here with episode 13 of Spanner and Riggs. We've been balling along. We got an awesome episode. We got NFL draft hopeful Sebastian Gutierrez in our college segment from Minot State. Crazy journey from wide receiver mm -hmm. all the way to left tackle. And we have coach Lori Sieben and Walker Demers from the state finalist Grafton Spoilers. Hey, it's Spanner again, and uh, we're on the high school segment here of the Spanner and Riggs Show, and we got some awesome guests tonight. We got Lori Sieben, head coach, Hall of Fame coach in my book of the Grafton High School Girls Spoilers, and we got Walker Demers. 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 Walker Demers, yeah, who recently signed with South Dakota, the... The Giant Killers, Big Game Hunters, as they crushed uh, Baylor this year mm -hmm. in the tournament. Is that right? Big Game Hunter. You like that uh, nickname for uh, South Dakota? Or is South, South Dakota, Dakota now oh, big yeah. game? Are they big game now? Are they big time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They always have been in my book. But. Uh, that's good. <laughs> I like that. So uh, so uh, uh, tell us a little bit about... We're gonna we're gonna skip senior year and we're going to uh, we're going to the Division One. You know, is that a hard decision? Is that like, a, do you feel like you're you're gonna miss out on something, or do you feel like you're a pioneer? I mean, what's the feeling on that? Yeah, it was a really big decision when I was making it. Um, I mean, it shocked a lot of people, but um, I just felt like it was right for me and it was right for the team. Um, and I know that having the support of my teammates and my coaches and parents in the community behind me, it made it a little bit easier during the process, so. Yeah, and Coach, t talk a little bit about uh, the success of your program. I mean, it's, it, I mean, years of success, and, you know, what do you attribute it to? I mean, we, I mean, a lot of it is, you know, sometimes it's skill, it, it's culture, it's sometimes it's in the town water or whatever, it's just, sometimes it's a little bit of luck, and maybe it's a little bit of everything else, but Coach, tell us a little bit about you know, what's been the key to your success uh, with your programs over the years? Well, I think, you know, you, you named several of those keys. It's it's certainly a process, right? And it's um, just, uh, I think continuity has been huge. Um, I think the fact that, uh, you know, when I first um, took my teaching job in, in Grafton, um, I was the assistant coach for two years and then followed by 21 years as the head coach. And throughout that, I've had great people and families, um, great support. And definitely throughout those years, it's, there's always trials, right? And I think like you said, you gotta have a little bit of luck along the way and you've gotta have people that buy in, whether that be talking about your kids and your families, administration, um, I just feel as a, as a coach, I've been able to um, be a part of um, some pretty amazing kids and to be, have a front row to their journey. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a game that we teach. Um, coaching is teaching, you know, to me. Um, it's a game that we play, and it's a game that we're able to teach a lot of life skills throughout. And, um, but that, that also takes you know, time and it's a process to build culture, but you need kids and families buying in. Um, 
you need to be surrounded by a coaching staff that supports and provides loyalty. And I've, I've been able to be a part of a lot of those components and, um, you know, and Walker is an example of that. We've had girls within our program that have been able to have the opportunity to play the next level. Walker's going to do that at USD um, next fall, but we've also had girls that have followed suit that have just, you know, been a part of spoiler tradition, spoiler pride. And prior to that, I'm just so grateful for the coaches before me. Um, I grew up just north of Grafton, um, played class B basketball at the time. Grafton was class A and they had um, uh, coach Terry West and uh, coach Gene Anderson of the, of the boys team. Terry West um, coached uh, the girls team. They were part of the, the North star back then. And, you know, they just, they had the area leagues. And so when I stepped in, I, I definitely wanted to continue to, you know, provide and, and maintain and build that spoiler culture. So I think some of that foundation was in place, but at the same time, I think, um, like I said, our kids that step up and bought into the system, um, you know, continue to persevere because we failed several times too throughout um, and Walker was part of that where we came up short. Um, I think it was her freshman year, right? Yeah. And then uh, we were able to win it her sophomore year. And, um, you know, the season we had this year, we are super proud of that season. Um, obviously, you want to be able to win it at the end. But um, the things that our girls did this, you know, stepped up into new roles and, and battled like they did and brought forth that consistency, like I said, continuity, right? Um, I was just so proud of their efforts. So I think continuity, I think um, just taking the time to build belief throughout your, your system and you have to surround yourself, you know, with good people and, and be able to delegate. I mean, uh, I don't know if you know, but I stepped aside from teaching, I don't know, about a month ago and in coaching just to provide a little more time for my family. Um, I've got two daughters playing at the college level. I'd like to watch them and maybe try something a little bit different down the road. Um, but um, Coach Wade Haugen is going to be, he's going to transition into the, the head coaching position. And like I said, I've just had great people around me that builds culture. And, you know, he's going to bring that continuity too. And I think everybody functions real well with, with structure, right? and continuity Absolutely. so but you need people to buy in so uh walker i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a tougher question here so uh i've coached division one coached division two and nai and junior college but i've coached division one and it is a massive jump and uh it's not just a jump in athleticism it's a jump in uh you know just mental preparation ready maturity talk to me about coach maybe parents maybe church, religion, leaders, you know, what has prepared you to, you know, to, to make this jump early, you know, uh, tell us about the mentoring that you've had along the way to, 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 to go on this journey and then to, to make this leap. So, um, I want to, I want to say it started out like, I mean, definite growth that I've gotten um, in those areas was started probably my eighth grade year when um, coach had brought me up 
to play with the varsity, practice with the varsity. And just seeing their competitiveness um, made me want to compete um, to be with them, even though that they were, you know, two grades older than me, I wanted to keep up with them. So that was probably the beginning of it. But um, definitely last summer I had done North Tartan, which was an EYBL team. And that definitely had a major impact on my growth too. And I feel like that's the closest I could get to going to the college level without actually being at the college level was playing against, you know, a few, like many future D1 athletes. Um, and then coach just being there mentally the entire summer last year um, and my huge support system with my parents, um, all of it has really helped. So I got a question for both you guys. Um, it just, I mean, it maybe just be with recent uh, success that happened at mine and high with young, young girls, you know, there were eighth graders. It said that Walker, you know, played in, in as a freshman and had an impact. And I know the, the Bishop Ryan heydays with those girls coming in at really young, it just seems like in maybe the last 10 or 15 years, there's been an emergence of talent at a really young level. Whereas traditionally, you know, you wait till, you know, junior season or, or senior season. What, what do you think is causing this? Or is this just maybe a little blip right now? But it just seems like the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, you know, there's always a, a girl in every region that's like an eighth grader or freshman that makes an immediate impact within their programs. And um, it's pretty cool to see. I mean, it's certainly something we have talked about on the show about, you know, no, we get to see these girls or guys or, you know, but particularly in the girl sports, seeing that impact at an early age. But what, what you know, is there, is there just a, anomaly or is there, is there something like there's a trend that maybe youth sports are doing a lot better job of skill development and maybe there's more opportunity that leads to, you know, getting to make impacts on the high school team at such a young age? Yeah, I think basketball is definitely evolving. Like from when I was younger um, compared to what my sister is doing um, than what I did when I was younger, it's just, it's different um, because basketball is evolving and the skill, it just, it's, it's increasing. I mean, 10 years ago and like from now to then it's, there's a huge difference. So I think the same thing is going to happen in the future. And, um, and like that, the younger kids, a few of them know what it takes or like are learning and knowing what it takes to reach their higher potential that they have by putting in extra work or, you know, skill or extra teams that they're doing in the summer to, really have an advantage over, you know, other girls their age or even girls older than them. So probably a lot more exposure. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. They have probably more IQ um, just by playing with, you know, older girls and playing against better competition. So. So I, coach, I wanted to ask you a question. Uh, I hope you don't get offended. I just got to ask it. I was at the state championship game and I watched it. And uh, when I was watching it, I, 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 and, I, and I was texting my buddy during the game, and he was watching too, and we're going. I said, man, Grafton's playing at a really high pace here. You know, uh, I'm not sure they're as deep or as fast as uh, Kindred, you know, uh, but you guys were getting out, and you were just and, – and, and you guys had a lead there for a little bit. Uh, do you regret playing that fast? Uh, does is that Was that the game plan? Did it just happen that way, or – uh, and maybe I'm wrong. I'm, you know, and I'm a soccer guy, you know, you're the basketball coach, <laughs> uh, you know, tell me what you think. I just thought it was like, well, this is a high pace. Yeah. Well, we play, we do, we play 
you know, we play positionless, we play fast. Um, obviously, in a, a, an opponent like Kindred, I think they made us play faster than we wanted. So you got to crit, credit Kindred. They were primed, they're ready. Um, you know, they, they almost had a little bit of a, you know, um, characteristic of our team last year. I mean, they were just, they stepped on the floor and they just, they, they had that poise about them that they were going to get it done. I think they, they did, um, speed us up. I mean, we like to play fast, but at the same time, I thought there was times that we really, um, maybe didn't get the great shot. We kind of got the first look type of thing or, um, but they, they really did a good job of, you know, getting us to maybe force an early possession. Um, but there's no regrets. No, uh, I think too, the noise, just that whole element, we just were never comfortable, Jason. And, um, you know, when you step into that game, you, you are who you are. And, um, you know, I, I tell you, um, Kinder just played a heck of a game. Their physicality wore on us. We, we, you know, we just weren't as deep as they were in different spots. And, um, but that's definitely the game you want to be in. And, um, you know, in order to be the best, you got to beat the best. And, you know, they, they had our number during the regular season as well, but um, yeah, unfortunate we came, we weren't able to get it done in that game, but um, like I've told the girls, that's always the opportunity that you want, but um, that's what great teams do. They get you uncomfortable and they got us uncomfortable. And yeah, we do play fast, but we probably played um, credit kindred. They, they made us play um, to a point where we were um, almost uncomfortable with our speed, but, um, but uh, yeah. It's interesting. You I, didn't defend I, me at all, Jason. I saw yeah. you guys. Uh... She's, I love her. She's honest. Yeah. I mean, uh, you see, yeah. a lot, we, we know, we, we both coach. There's a lot of coaches that yeah. like to sugarcoat things and, you know, oh, we just no. couldn't catch a break on some shots here and there. It's like, you know, you got you to gotta appreciate it. I'm sure your players appreciate that too. I saw you guys yeah. twice. I saw them three times. And it's interesting because, uh, and, and, and him and I had talked, and I I really wanted to see you guys play uh, four wins, and they, obviously they got upset, you know, uh, you know, uh, in the region championship game. Uh, but I did tell, I was telling him, I said, Grafton will clip four wins. And then I said, I thought that Kindred was a runaway train. But um, I don't know. Uh, it, it, I, I was excited to watch that game. I thought you guys played, I thought you guys played pretty well. I just think that, like you said, that they were, you know, it was their year and it was just going to be tough yeah. to, to clip them. Um, but uh, Walker, I mean, tell me about the, the state tournament, uh, you know, and, and uh, it kind of a two-part question. You know, what does it feel like to play in the state tournament, you know, uh, enjoy that moment, that, you know, the, the whole thing, playing the state championship. But the second part, tell us about playing for your community, representing Grafton, your town, and, uh, you know, at that, at that moment, the pride in, uh, in, in playing for your community. I think that's something that North Dakota communities have that I think a lot of uh, out, outside of state, they don't, they don't yeah, have absolutely. what we have. So describe that a little bit. Yeah, so playing in the state tournament, um, I mean, it, it, it felt like home, like all three times that I got to do it. Um, it was honestly a blessing to be able to play for three consecutive years in a row. And I mean, 
also playing in the state championship three times in a row because that's the game that you want to be in when you enter the state tournament, no matter the outcome. I mean, obviously you want to win, but if you don't make it to that game, like, you know, but um, playing for my community has, um, it's, it's an indescribable feeling. I just remember watching, like, when I was in second grade, I'd watch the state champions, our 2012 state champions, and I was like, you know, that's something I want to do someday. I cannot wait to put on the Grafton uniform. And honestly, that it hasn't, I haven't had a better experience. And I know that I wouldn't if I would have gone anywhere or if I would have been anywhere else because the Grafton community is just so supportive. And um, yeah, I, there, it's indescribable. <laughs> I don't know. Now walk us through the, the process of, uh, you know, selecting uh, to go to South Dakota and, and I'm assuming coaches probably fielded calls from other, you know, universities and, and those type of things, but what led you, you know, down South, what led you to them and, and over everybody else? And, um, you know, because that's a, that's a big, big, uh, you know, you make, not only you're making a choice to play a sport, but you're making a, a personal choice on your next phase of your life, which is, I mean, as we were both college coaches, we understand that that's more than just, you know, going to buy a new car. Well, it's, you know. it's easy. A coyote will eat a jackrabbit, right? A coyote will eat a jackrabbit. Oh, oh yeah. Be the reason, well, right? and of oh, course, yeah. you know, you know, you got uh, you know a lot of schools along that road, you know, to get there, you know. So there's you know something that's got a persuader. So, but yeah, just walk us through that process. And I mean, did they contact you early? You know, in in the in the in the you know recruiting process. I mean, did they come in late? You know, was it just a visit or, I mean, what's the biggest motivation and how that whole process worked? So I probably started getting phone calls the summer of my freshman year. Um, and I, ha and I think I got my first offer maybe the fall of my sophomore. So I had, so I, I think by the end of last, so by the end of last season, my sophomore year, um, I had had four offers and I, they were all four schools that I had, you know, I had watched since I've been little, they were probably the teams that I looked up to the most. And I'd kind of just, I had narrowed it down to them before I even, you know, probably April. yeah, probably April. Um, I mean, I was still getting calls from like, you know, um, outside of that, but and offers but I I kind of I always knew that I wanted to stay because I'm a homebody <laughs> but I knew I wanted to stay somewhere where you know the community and my parents could support me or you know if like the younger little girls wanted to come to camps they would you know they could so that was a huge part of it part of it for me but um really I have to say um when I made my decision I had it was the first time I went to campus and even coach could testify that when I was there, I just, I had felt comfortable and I just remember putting on the uniform and I was in the locker room alone. And I looked in the mirror and I'm like, wow, this, this looks like me. <laughs> like I can see myself here. This feels like home. Um, it almost gave me the chills to be honest, but um, I, I just never felt, I never felt like, uncomfortable I never felt uncomfortable there so that with the coaching staff and the school the 
um, the major I plan to go into, everything kind of just clicked. So what major that's, is that? That's what's on major? That. What's your major? Uh, medical biology. Oh, nice. boy. Because <laughs> she's out of our league. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah. fine. Right. So tell I us. Think uh, the, the EYBL, when Walker experienced the EYBL, it didn't take her long, I didn't think, to really narrow it down. I think it was her EYBL trip out east to compete in Virginia and she came back and it, it didn't take long to say coach I'm I'm a Midwest you know because she was getting some recruits which that what that piece was really helpful for Walker to to explore and um, I think it was COVID in the 2020 we I'd sent out some huddles and of course you know your 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 summit teams in UND and NDSU and SDSU and and USD um, they responded right away. And, um, but it was, it was nice that Walker had that EYBL experience just for the fact, like, no coach, this is where I want to be. So those pieces, like you go back on the exposure and the opportunities for girls today, they're, they're, you know, and it's, it's not what totally makes all of Walker's game because she spends a lot of time in the weight room, you know, skill development, a big part of, of her time now. But, um, you know, girls just have great opportunities. There's a little debate, you know, little debate going on here. And uh, you have 21 years, 23 years with the assistant coach. And, and maybe it's biased for you because you've been on top. But maybe you're on top because you work harder than everyone else. North Dakota basketball should have three classes or two. And uh, both of you guys can answer if you want yeah. I, I mean, there's the beauty of the beauty. You know, what do you think? You know, I, I, I just was at an advisory meeting last week. And, you know, I don't know that I have a, I mean, it's a true opinion on it because I think anything that I say is going to be like, well, you're grafting, you're a bigger school, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. But I think at the same time, um, I think what helps we in the last, I say the last five, six years, we've done things to help our program. Um, we've gone to our region where we've played every, we play everybody once, which allows us, um, to go out and play other competitions. So we've done things to help our program and, and to stay steady that way. Um, because I think that's what, that's the only thing you can control are the things that you can lay out for your program, which I think the things we've done with it, with our administration, our athletic, our boys program as well. Um, we do a lot of collaborative effort with the boys program. So I think what's helped our success, and I think it's with the boys success too, is um, continuity. I've talked about that. And then making decisions that can help your program grow because we can't control what, you know, the NDHSA is going to decide or, or what polls are going to decide. I've always been that coach that, okay, this is your schedule. This is the conference you play in. Okay, go do something for your kids, help your program grow. Um, so, you know, I do get asked that a lot. And I guess my answer is I don't have an overall true opinion. Maybe I'm not answering your question really well, mm -hmm. but I do know in the last six to seven years, we've gone to things that help keep our program healthy. And um, that's with scheduling. That's with trying to keep continuity within our program with coaches and yep I'm stepping aside now 
but I thought administration was really um, supportive in the fact that they gave the reins to coach Haugen, you know, and, and he's been a part of this program. Yes. He's been my assistant coach, but um, throughout our, our path to success, he's had instrumental pieces in that. So I think just my answer is just, you know, we've done the things that we can do to control and to help our program. So, I mean, it's just tricky this, you know, we want to enhance um, participation in the state of North Dakota, high school athletics. There's nothing better than playing for your community. Right. So, I it, and I, th- I get it. So the, yep. him, him and I, we've talked about it and uh, you know, and we might differ a little bit on the, uh, on the, what our beliefs in the class systems, but I've, I've always said, if you focus on, classroom, people development, youth development, and skill development, and you get a coach that's that's focused on those things. That continuity, you, like you said. Yeah, you're not you, you leaving be, every two years, you get revolving door. Yeah, you, you can be successful, and, uh, you know, and I don't think it, like Dickinson, you know, are they class A, class B? I mean, they dominate softball, and they dominate uh, gymnastics because, you know, they put the time in it's All in the, the DNA, you know. Yeah. Uh, so the same thing with Grafton basketball. It's probably in the DNA with little kids. She said she mm-hmm. dreamed of putting that jersey on, and I think if if a school wants to win at a sport, they need to find someone that wants to win with people, and they can change. And their, that you know that's the, the key. Like within our class B, you know, with our program and class A now with with Coach Schwartz at, at Minot, I know him well, and and he he had some young talent playing for him, which. Now you're seeing a little more in the class A, but in Grafton, we've moved, we've moved personnel up, but it's been to balance numbers to keep the program healthy. I'm a, I'm a PE teacher. So I like short lines, right? I don't want 20 Mm. girls on seventh (laughs) grade team. So if you sell that, you know, we've sold that to families. They've been supportive. We try to, to balance the numbers. Walker. Yep. It's a situation where we moved Walker up because her skill level needed to be where we could utilize it at a varsity level. And it would be a spot where it would challenge her as well. So, um, you know, we're a program that doesn't move personnel up because of numbers, you know, because we need that number to have a varsity or a JV. You know, we we move personnel around um so that we can keep a program healthy, but that's taken time and that's, that takes work. And I'm a big believer. You got to find places for kids to find success and they can't find success. If you can't find a place for them to see value. Walker, tell us this, as you get prepared for USD, what has the coach told you about, does he want, do they want you to play a million games between now and arrival or do they want you to stay healthy? Is it more working with your personal strength coach and just working on your straight fundamentals? What what was the instruction given to you by your coach? So I don't I don't know if you know this, but um, we coaches have switched. So um, the coach that originally had recruited me moved to West Virginia. So we're kind of in the process of, you know having this new coach and we don't have an assistant or anything right now, but, um, crazy. uh, Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, it's been, um, a tough time the past two weeks or whatever, but, um, 
I don't, my past coach didn't necessarily give me any of those increasing in strength or anything. Cause um, I feel like she, I am where she wants me to be until I get there. Um, until I can further my skill with the coach, the coach that's coaching me. Um, Cause I feel like I've done everything in the weight room and skill wise on my own and with the coaches around me um, to be ready until I get there. So I just, I've been keeping up with lifting and skills, but um, nothing, nothing like that until I get there this are June or whatever. Are you going to tournaments uh, around the country or are you just going to stay more local and, and just prepare? Do they have this schedule? Um, like for like the summer Yeah. for USD. No, for you. So are you, are you doing I any, like, yeah, because now that you've already committed, I guess there's no, I mean, a lot of kids are playing like AAU and all those type of things, but yeah. is that just completely shut down now or do you still play some club games or anything like yeah. that? So when you're, yeah, when you're technically a senior, you can't go to any AAU or anything like oh, that because okay. like technically your junior year is your last year. Okay. But um, I feel it. So for USD, they had mentioned going to Greece or something this summer, but I don't know with COVID if that's affected or with the coaching change or whatever, but um, I know that that's a possibility for when I get down there this summer. So you get uh, you get one of those every four years. So uh, you know, uh, hopefully yeah. you're uh, you're high enough on the depth chart that you get to get to play a lot uh, in in your one uh, swing of the bat of that uh, the international tour. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, man, that was awesome having you guys on. I uh, I, I, I love talking uh, North Dakota sports. I really love talking North Dakota community pride. I think you guys brought that, uh, you really uh, painted that picture pretty well. Um, coach, 23 years. I think North Dakota wants to give you a thank for that. Thank you for that because I think, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty That's pretty awesome. And Walker, good luck with the Coyotes. You guys call it the Yotes. Is, there something, is that right? Is that what you guys say it? Uh, uh, Yotes, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I watch them play in the NCAA tournament. I usually do the women's bracket too. I think it's kind of fun. Absolutely. <laughs> So, uh, but, uh, you know, we try to be even on here. I don't do anything on those TikTok interviews for the girls' games that I don't do for the guys or vice versa. We try to make it all uh, dead even. So, but uh, good luck, and thanks for coming on. That was awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Right. Nice meeting you both. Yeah. You bet. Hey, uh, we're here with uh, Sebastian Gutierrez, Minot State tackle, uh, wide receiver turned tackle. That's kind of a crazy transformation. We'll ask him about that. Uh, he's getting ready for the NFL draft. That's pretty cool. Sebastian, how's it going? Going great. How you guys doing? We're doing good, good. man. We're doing good. You're from Pasco, Washington. You, uh, yep. you uh, were basketball and a football player in high school. Any other sports? Yeah, I actually played a little bit of golf and then uh, did some some track as well. Wow. Were you a thrower or a runner? I was actually a runner because I was 185 pounds in high school. Nice. Oh, that's crazy. 185 pounds in high school. What do you weigh now? A little over 310. Oh, Holy smokes. That's absolutely crazy. Wow. So tell us a little bit about that transformation. I mean, you... You came to Minot State as a wide receiver, and like you said, uh, 180 pounds soaking wet to 
to, to 310. Now, we were both coaches. I mean, and we know how athletes work. I mean, you you work out to your strength. Were you just like lifting weights and all of a sudden you're just gaining all this weight at the same time? Or or how did that transition from where you were? You just, your body just hit that next level growth spurt and it just formed to oh. become a big, powerful offensive lineman. It was, it was tough. It was not, it was not easy. I mean, it definitely took all six years I was there to become what I am now. Um, you know, I came in in 2016, they told me to start eating because I was going to play tight end. I registered in my first year. I played about 240-ish uh, my redshirt freshman year. Um, then they told me, hey, just keep getting bigger, keep getting bigger, you know, keep going. And uh, eventually I was about 260 that next season. And they, they in the spring, they asked me to change over to offensive line. And I was a little hesitant at first because I had never played anything like it. I never saw myself playing a line. But, you know, I came around to the idea and, uh, you know, the rest is history. I mean, it turned out to be pretty good at it. And, and uh, having these opportunities now kind of proves it. So hey, let me ask you, play tackle. I, I got to ask a question. I've always wanted to ask this question from yep. a, a pro prospect tackle. Uh, Terrence Steele plays for the Dallas Cowboys. And oh, here comes the Cowboys thing. Okay. Phenomenal right tackle. And then when he fills in it for yep. Tyron Smith at left tackle, he just can't play at all. And I know that the right edge rusher is better or whatever, but I've seen left tackles that can't play right tackle. And Terrence talks about yep. the, the, the first step and – it's way different. Explain to uh, you know to everyone out there the difference between the footwork left tackle and right tackle, and, and and how hard is it to switch back and forth? Of course. So I played both. So I played two years at right tackle. My last year I played left tackle. Um, traditionally, like you kind of said, you're going to put your best edge rusher on the right side of the line. Um, you know the defensive facing way, so you can get the blind side of the quarterback. Uh, I will say it's a little bit of a tougher job because you do. How, you have to be the best pass blocker on the defense to pretty much, or the offense to do that. You know, uh, I never really noticed too much of a difference. You know, obviously played D2 and everything, but, you know, the difference between right tackle and left tackle isn't too much different. It's just you have more responsibility at left tackle. Now, Sebastian, tell us a little bit about this, you know, this last senior season. Uh, yep. You know, obviously social media makes things a lot easier for people to get a, a – a better sense of what's going on but you know when did you start to get a sense that you know there might be something bigger than Minot State that there might be an opportunity to potentially play at the next level was it something that happened your junior year was there a couple scouts that watched a couple of your games um, to walk us through that process to where you were just a, a great Minot State player that wanted to play your best so now all of a sudden there's you know people on draft boards that have you picked and all of a sudden you, you're going all these hoopla all these different uh you know, pro day workouts and stuff, but explain to us where that, that aha moment, was it just a great junior year that led to this or where did it go? Yeah. So, you know, I had a pretty decent junior year. I, I, I made second team conference, um, obviously not super great, but it is an accomplishment. And then during the COVID year is when things actually really took off. So teams had a little bit extra time to scout and everything. Uh, the Vikings ended up setting, sending down one of their uh, area scouts to come look at me and, you know, he did a little workout for, uh, I did a little workout for him. Uh, he made me run a 40 and do a couple of other things. And I ended up running uh, a four, eight, nine, which is pretty fast for an NFL or for an offensive lineman. And, uh, that kind of put me on the radar after that. So once I ran that 40, you know, he pretty much told me, you know, a bunch of teams are going to be looking at you because this number is, is pretty dang good. 
And after that is when I had almost every, I think it was almost every team come in the fall of my senior season. Um, you know, I had a lot of, a lot of, you know, tension coming my way. So and stop, uh, stop, for, stop, for, stop for one sec. I gotta, I gotta ask you a question. And I think that a lot of people would want to yeah, hear the answer to this. So the Viking scout went to yep. a small, maybe obscure college and finds a, nug, a a gold nugget, right? A diamond in the rough, right? And 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 clocks you, right? Mm-hmm. Why would anyone else find that information? What, does he upload that onto something? And why and why would an NFL team do that? Explain to the yeah. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt yeah. you, but I I want to get that point yeah. out, and then you can finish. Of course. So from what I understood, there's a there's a company that kind of a bunch of the teams kind of umbrella under. And they are owed that information as well, just because he's coming down to do like the diligence of like an area scout, you know, like uh, it's not necessarily just for the Vikings, but it's it's kind of just for the good of every other team within that um, agency or, or company or whatever they are. So that goes out to all the teams underneath that and it goes on the, uh, a website where anybody can look at it any of those teams. So that's kind of how they shared the information. So, but if it was just for the Vikings, I think they would want to keep it to themselves, obviously, because they would, you know, obviously want to know or not have every other team know about it for myself. No, that's perfect. Go ahead and continue. Sorry. I just, that, that caught me. The NFL is so competitive. I would be like, I would be high secret. I'm like, Holy crap. I clocked this guy going four eight. I'm like, no one's going to hear about this. Change those numbers around. Right. So tell us about your best pancake. Best pancake. So, oh man, I had a few of them, but uh, I think I liked the one this year. It was versus Duluth. So we had a little bit of a reverse play. Uh, Peyton Lamore came back on the reverse, and my my job was to come down onto the linebacker, fake like I was blocking him, and then wheel out, check to see if the corner was blocked. If the corner was blocked by the tight end, I would move to the next level. So I ended up moving to the next level and looping right up. Peyton Lamore is coming right behind me. I grab the corner. I'm blocking him, and I just throw him right to the ground. And that was uh, Peyton Lamore was sprung for a touchdown. So that was probably one of my favorite ones. Absolutely. Now now that uh, the season's over, uh, you know, obviously a lot of the hype and a lot of discussions. Uh, walk us through what it's been like since your season has been over. You've had, you know, been to pro mm-hmm. day stuff. You've been to some stuff, like, I think you alluded to, the NDSU and – and then, of course, uh, it's pretty daunting being a young guy that's uh, still in university, and, and now you've got an agent to help you guide you through this stuff. So explain to me, uh, us, you know, our viewers and everybody, what it's been like since school has been over, because now it's like a whole new ball game. Of course, yeah. So after season ended, uh, I took a little bit of time to go see my family uh, back in Pasco, um, spent Christmas with them, and then the, f- the first week of January, I was up in Minneapolis, I was training at a place called Training House, um, you know, with, with a trainer, Bill Welly. And that was pretty much strictly combine training. So, you know, it's it's 40-yard dash, 5-10-5 shuttle, um, three-cone drill, vertical, uh, broad jump, all that kind of stuff. So we were training for that for about 10 weeks. And then I go to – and that's like 10 weeks of intense training. Like you're building your body to succeed in those specific drills. And uh, then I go to my pro day at NDSU. Um, I'm obviously expecting to do pretty well. I mean, I've always, 
had like an athletic build and been able to, to test well. And uh, I did well. I mean, I, I didn't run the 40 as fast as I should have. You know, I granted I gained 15 pounds since the last time I ran it, but I ran a 5-1 there. And, you know, it, it's not horrible. Anything under a 5-3 for an offensive lineman is, is pretty good, you know, and mm-hmm. everything else I did well and excelled in. And, and then after that, I came back here to Minot. And I've been training and, and working on building my body up and maintaining my weight, making sure my condition's right. So once I get to camp, wherever I end up, um, I'm ready to go. So what what teams have uh, have given you the most interest, I should say? I don't know how that works. And, you know, do they come to Minot to watch you work out? Or is it just the pro day? Or, or you know, do Talking they... to your agent or what? Oh, yeah. yeah. How's it work? And, and who's got... Who might be your best chance to get your name called for? Well, I was uh, invited to the Vikings 30-man visit, which is they bring their top 30 prospects on their draft board in for uh, for a visit. So I did that a couple of weeks ago, and that went really well. I was able to talk to the general manager, offensive line coach, head coach, offensive coordinator, you know, everybody I'll be working day-to-day with in there. I was able to see the facility. You know, they treated me right. They had a lot of cool people. And it was really awesome to see, you know, that whole system and how they work things over there. Um, so I would say the Vikings, definitely interested, definitely, um, you know, a good chance that they might pick me up. You know, nothing's ever set in stone, but, you know, I truly, I'd, I, I'd say they're a good guess. And other than that, I've had a lot of teams reach out in the last couple of weeks you know, whether it's a phone call from a scout or talking to an offensive line coach. Uh, I talked to the Detroit Lions offensive line coach the other day. Um, you know, just most recently, the Las Vegas Raiders have reached out uh, as of today. You know, San Francisco 49ers, um, Chicago. Uh, there's a lot of teams. There's a lot of teams. And, you know, I'd say I have maybe 12 to 15 teams have reached out since after the pro day. Absolutely. And I'm assuming too, you know, everybody wants to get drafted, but there's a whole plethora of players that sign contracts as soon as that draft's over with to try to fill some spots. So has there been any indication, maybe just that if we don't get a chance to pick you or somehow you fall that they, you know, that that continue that you'll still have another chance to do something? Is that, is that something that is a possibility too? That's definitely a possibility. I've had a lot of teams say, Hey, you know, if we don't get you in the draft, please consider us in free agency. We're definitely going to be coming for you. Um, all these, all these teams have been have very, very straightforward. They've told me exactly what they want and what they're going to do. And you know, I, I'd like to get drafted, but if not, I'd know I'd be pretty a pretty safe bet. I'd go somewhere. Right on. Get picked up. Let me ask you this: So, would you prefer to be drafted in the seventh round or go undrafted mm-hmm. and pick your own place? Yeah. You know, that's a tough one. Um, from I mean, what sixth I've seen, round's a little higher. I, fifth round, you know, yeah. you're going to take that. But seventh round, you might get drafted to a team that's super deep in tackles and undrafted. You could go to a team that's, you know, that has like only three on the roster or something mm-hmm. currently or whatever. I don't know. What do you, what's your thoughts? Um, I've definitely thought about it. And my agent, uh, he's, he's told, he's told me that there's really nothing I can do if someone drafts me and, I'm put in that situation. Um, but, you know, it's it's really, there's pros and cons to it. From what I understand, you get a little more money if you're drafted, obviously. You get a little more security, job security, um, because I believe you negotiate a contract almost immediately. Um, 
And uh, however, I mean, you know, you might, like you said, you might end up in a situation where you, there's a lot of O-line on the roster and you might not succeed. And that's okay too. You might just get, you might get released and then the other teams will have a chance to pick you up. Mm-hmm. Not saying I'm going to get released, but that's definitely the reality of the situation. And then uh, free agency, you know, that's what me and my agent would have to talk about on draft day. If they, if I would uh, have to go somewhere, take, take a little bit less money to go to a place where I'd more likely succeed and make it through camp and sign a contract, that would probably be the right way to go. Absolutely. So give us a 30 second little uh, blurb of, we know the NFL's faster, you know, uh, to get, get, give us 30 seconds of why, when, if you arrive at rookie mini camp and then, you know, mini camp and then training camp, right? Is that the three levels of it, right? Uh, yeah. Why you're going to stick and why you'll succeed. Because I've never given up on anything in my life. I mean, I've, I've always been a competitor and, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be in this situation and, you know, I'd feel like I'd be doing a disservice to my little self if I squandered this opportunity. Absolutely. Well, good. Well, we, well, hold on, we I got, got one got, more. Oh, two. Oh two. boy, here it comes. Number one, uh, did did playing basketball and baseball and track and being a three sport athlete versus a one sport athlete, you know, uh, uh, do you think it helped you, hurt you, hindered you? Four sport. You know what I mean? Oh, hundred percent, it helped me. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I, you know, I I grew up playing. Actually, I did play soccer for eight years growing up oh. too. So I. Spainer's excited about that. I have a little bit of background there. I mean, I played from when I was very young to just before, like, high school, I would say. Um, it was a great experience. I think, um, you know, that kind of developed my muscles the right way just to play soccer and then basketball. Obviously, um, it's a lot of agility and, and jumping and all that kind of stuff. So I think that definitely helped me with my feet and footwork, track, of course, is speed. Um, you know, everything that that entails. And then I think playing golf actually helped me with a little bit of the mental aspect of football. Cause you, I mean, you're competing in the golf tournament. You got to have some pretty, a pretty strong mental, uh, uh, mental capacity if you're going to make a mistake and then come back from that and, and do better. So definitely, definitely helps to be a multi-sport athlete. Last one. I'll let you, uh, you know, throw a bone to, you know, I know Shane Ledehi, was he the one that recruited you? And then I know uh, you said Nick Nissen was your positional coach. Mike Aldrich was your head coach the whole time, right? Yep. Uh, tell us a little bit about your coaching staff uh, preparing you uh, mentally and uh, how, how they've helped you to get to this point or or not, I guess, you know. Tell us that experience in Minot State. Yeah, I mean – you know, just from getting from when I first got to Minot State, you know, I didn't have the best uh, the best experience, you know, my first year, I guess, because I was still very raw and I was very new and, you know, I was very under recruited. So I was like at the bottom of the barrel type recruit. And, uh, you know, then going up through the ranks and and working through the system, you know, I found that my coaches appreciated me. And, you know, I, I as long as I kept my nose down and worked hard. You know, there wasn't going to be much I couldn't accomplish. And then getting to the start of the process where I started getting looks from the NFL. I mean, it's my coaches have helped so much. They they always kept my my confidence high, but they also kept me like in in reality. Like they didn't they didn't want me to my head to get too big or they didn't want me to, you know, underappreciate myself. So 
I definitely give a lot of credit to them and, and helping me to be more of a professional, you know, and grow into the role that I'm going into. Absolutely. Man, this was awesome. I nice. really appreciate you coming on. And I think it was really informative, especially for the uh, We have a big high school sports following. And I, I think it'd be good for those kids to, you know, uh, to hear, you know, the benefits of three sports, the process you went through, uh, yep. where you, how high, how far you came just on the Minot State roster. You know, uh, to the gym and all that stuff. I, I think uh, it's nice that Minot State didn't just portal you either. You know, they developed you the whole time you were there, it sounds like. I, I, uh, this yeah, they did. Awesome, awesome interview. I'd hope that if you get selected, that maybe we could call you or something on Saturday or whatnot. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. And uh, cool. we would love yep. if you get to camp for you to give us uh, five minutes of what that's like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that would be wild. So, um, but I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem at all. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Well, you know, last part of our episode, it's an exciting time. And reason is, is because we got the upcoming draft. And what makes it even sweeter here is Spainer, the diehard Cowboys fan, is going to be wearing a big star. And he's going to be at the, at the draft. And I'm a huge draft fan for a long time. I know you are too. That's going to be pretty exciting. And not only that, not only are you going to be there, tell us the journey of how that happened because this isn't just you last week look, looking online and looking for tickets. Like This has been a couple years in the making, hasn't it? Yeah, no, it's uh, kind of crazy. So uh, I was just researching and I, I went to the draft in Dallas and it was like the best sporting event I've ever been at. And, and I'll tell you guys, I'll tell people, if the draft's in your your team city, like mm-hmm. if you're a Chiefs fan and you want to go next year, I mean, there's there's almost nothing even close. It's yeah. just, it's an unbelievable experience. But So I was looking and looking, and, you know, I was trying to figure out where it's going to be, and I know that Jerry Jones was going to try to keep the draft in mm-hmm. Dallas. So I was kind of looking to see if that was going to be the case. And I read a rumor that the draft would be in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I said, whoa, that would be kind of cool. So then I started thinking about it. And uh, so I called my wife. I said, Las Vegas, we should go to this NFL draft. And I said, you know, it's going to be at the MGM or it's going to be at Caesars or whatnot. And, you know, uh, my wife works for Delta Vacation, so mm-hmm. we fly free. I told her, I said, there will probably be no chance for non revving or any of that stuff, at the, uh, you know. So let's try and uh, let's, let's buy a package, you know. So she started doing some research, and this is before they it really hit, you know. Mm-hmm. And we bought this package, and we guessed where the draft was going to be, and we bought this package way in advance before it got out. And then when it got out, obviously the prices went boom, and we had it really, really cheap. Yeah. So have <laughs> they been able to push it? Like, I mean, how does that work? Are you just... They move when the, the draft was coming. So back. yeah, so we were work? supposed to go, and then so we we roll we rolled everything over when the uh, when the. NFL uh, announced it was going to be back mm-hmm. in Las Vegas again. That's cool. But the, pa- the prices have never gone back down. So oh, we've boy. held on and held on and held on. Yeah. Uh, so it's sort of cool. But so anyway, uh, the NFL draft is a, is a really neat experience. Um, we, we went, uh, you know, when it was in Dallas a few years ago. And uh, I, I, I'll just tell you. There was some cool stuff. My kids did the hot sauce dance with Cole Beasley. Oh, jeez. Like, I mean, uh, there was uh, 
Uh, I have a Danny White jersey. Oh boy. Danny White, oh, he was boy. my hero growing up. Danny White, Danny White, love Danny Can't White. Can't make the so draft anyway, all about the Cowboys. My I son's got an comes. 88 jersey, and I got a Danny White jersey. And we run into Drew Pearson. Oh boy. Walking out of a restaurant, and there's just tons of people running up, and he's in a hurry. He's got a business meeting or whatever, and he's like, no autographs, no autographs, no autographs, no interviews, no autographs. And he's doing this, and then he sees me and my son with the 11 and the 88, and I must have turned because he's like, my quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, he's a, and he brings us over there. And, uh, and so and we had this black marker, right? And we had a football, and we got Charles Haley and uh, Rayfield White. And oh, we, got our, we got all these different cowboys at the draft, right? You know, they're, yep. you know, they're all lined up, all these different places. So anyway, uh, my kids are all excited about this, but so but my the, we all my boys are there, but the one with the '88 jersey, you know, he's like, uh, mm-hmm. he's I'm the original '88. So we hand him the ball, and the uh, the pen, and he goes, no, no, this is how it's really done, and he pulls out a royal blue, oh, <laughs> and he signs on there, and Hall of Fame and oh. original '88. Well, thing, it was pretty cool. That's so cool. anyway, uh. uh that was cool. And then we, we got in line for uh, Switzer, that. Uh, Harry Switzer? That, no, uh, Ryan Switzer, the, the, like a fifth round pick out of North Carolina. Okay, yep. Uh, and he was like a Cole Beasley repeat, you know? Mm-hmm. So we get in line for this guy, and they trade him while we were in line. No way. <laughs> that Jeez, was kind of crazy. That is crazy. And we had uh, football cards for him and stuff. We see he signed him anyway, but that was sort of interesting. Crazy. But uh, yeah, the draft was a cool experience. What are, what are you looking forward to this one? Like, I mean, it's you know, it's kind of in Vegas. I mean, I, I, I of course only watched you know on TV, and it's fascinating. I mean, but it is you know, you're excited. You're worried about the time clock and stuff. Does it feel like a pressure cooker when you're in there because you get fans cheering, and then you hear them when they're booing if they get the wrong, you know. Bad pick, but what's the atmosphere like when you're actually right there? Yeah, I was I was in in uh, Dallas because I'd won the tickets. Is why we went. So uh, um, that was cool. And uh, there's a crazy story behind that too. But maybe save for another time. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, actually, the draft was in Dallas, and it it was like this Oinkos yogurt competition or what I don't remember. So. I was about to put in, and it's like, what's your favorite team? You know, the whole deal, right? You know, and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Everyone that's a Cowboys fan is going to put in for this. <laughs> right? Because it's in yeah, Dallas. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, that's not going to work. So, and I thought about it. Okay, which team here? Which team here? And then it hit me. Remember, the Bills traded away their whole team mm-hmm. that year. Mm-hmm. And they uh, they made the playoffs anyway. <laughs> so they, tr- yeah. they tried to lose. They were, like, trying to get, some, you know. Yep. Uh, you know, one of the, you know the tanking deal, and then mm-hmm. they their, their coach coaches them to the playoffs, and uh, so I'm like, they've got to have the least amount of people putting in for this thing. Mm-hmm. So we put in, I put in for uh, uh, for the the, the 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 Bills, the Bills, oh, and win, and then we arrive in cowboy jerseys, and they made us move up to the upper deck. Oh my God, <laughs> that's hilarious! But yeah, it was fun. Anyway. But anyway. Um, because you know we there's no seats in the Cowboys set you know they have mm-hmm. sections or whatever mm-hmm. but uh, so uh, it, the draft um, I've loved it you know and it's like you know every team's got this infinite uh, you know possibilities you mm-hmm. know before the draft and 
Uh, I've just followed it every year. I mean, I was crushed as a child when it went from, you know, 12 rounds to seven rounds. Oh, I was like, yeah. What are we doing here? Yeah. You know, uh, and I, I'm one of the guys that I know all the guys that, you know, like, oh, my gosh, who's getting, you know, who's it? I, I did a story. I wanted Romo. Before Dallas signed him, really? Oh yeah, I wanted Ryan. A list of all these guys, that, you know. God. And uh, when I, when I was younger, I used to um, take all the uh, like the seven or eight, like the CBS Sports Line, the Mel Kiper, yep. Walter Football, mm-hmm. all these different mock drafts, and then I would meld them into a, a one mock draft, and then I would write a line, that's like a, a marker line, every thirty-two mm-hmm. people. So then you could start seeing whether your like team was reaching or not reaching yep. and you know if they had a good draft if they had a lot of marks in the higher mm-hmm. part of it or versus the lower part of it you know and it was just just me as a, it was a hobby right you know uh, yep. so uh Romo I thought should been you know should have been drafted and he wasn't there mm-hmm. you know and if you remember Dallas was going like 5 and 11 5 and 11 yeah. and they had like Ryan Leaf and Quincy Carter Ooh, and all these guys yeah. so uh I was really hoping for Romo but uh, I usually have seven or eight names I really want, uh, you know, going mm-hmm. into that uh, undrafted free agency, you know, based on who's not on the board. Now I'm a little lazier. I got more responsibility, so mm-hmm. I print out the ESPN uh, Scouts Inc. Inc. link. Yep. I just go with that. Yeah, well, good. <laughs> a little bit easier than when I was, in, like, in my 20s and, you know, and uh, just a complete super draft nerd that was Absolutely. putting too much effort into it. But uh, uh, I'm excited. Good. I'll tell you this. Uh, watch for me on TikTok. The yeah. NFL... Draft experience mm-hmm. is awesome. You can run the forty. You can kick the field goal. You can run the shuttle, and you can, you can do all the stuff they do in the combine. Uh, and then uh, on top of it, you got a little contest going on on TikTok too, right? Explain I do. That. Yeah, explain that, that, that a little bit. Should, should I tell you uh, my forty experience? Oh boy! Oh <laughs> so, boy! We're at the NFL draft in Dallas, and you know I'm a soccer guy, mm-hmm. and I'm looking forward to this field goal competition. I'm like. I'm going to get out there, and I'm going to blast. I might miss left and right, but I'm going to blast some 50-yard field goals. What, are you taking runoffs for kickoffs, or are you taking the only two steps, one no, over no, goal? No, I'm doing a normal field goal, and I'm just gonna, I was just going to crush some kicks, yeah. right? So we get over there, and we're going through all you know the stuff, and my kids want to do this 40. Mm-hmm. The 40's awesome. I mean, they've got the AccuTrack. You run through it. Your clock stops. Uh, there's a hologram of Kareem Hunt running. You run against him. Really? You know, yeah. I mean, it's all. So, like, there's cool. six lanes. And when you're across the line, your clock hits up top, right? Wow. So, uh, I actually have video on my phone of this. So, I'm in line. And uh, my, I'm going to film my kids. So, I'm behind them. And I'm going to film them. And there's this guy behind me, maybe 20 years old, right? And, uh, you know, and I'm, you know, in my 40s, right? Yeah. So, uh and behind him are four really good athletes. Okay. <laughs> I can just tell you that. So he's by himself, right? And he's looking around. And I have all my kids. And I got a lot of kids, so they're lined up. And he's not going to fit in that group. And oh he doesn't want to run against these guys, even though oh, he's got one of the geez. open lanes. And he's like, dude, are you running? And I'm like, no, I'm not running. He's like, come on, man, are you running? I'm like, no, no, I'm just filming my kids, you know. Mm-hmm. And he goes, come on, man, I want to run. I'll run against you. And then, and so as we get closer, he's like, man, what are you, chicken? And I'm like, all right, dude. Oh, boy. <laughs> I take it. I take it. I get up there, and they go, doo, doo. Guy jumps early. Uh, uh, <laughs> so annoying. But I run him. I beat him. Oh, but geez. I'm hauling as fast as I can, and, he, and we're going. I pass him, and I get two steps from the line, and pow, my hamstring. <laughs> no. Oh, my 
god. It was horrible. I oh. pop my hamstring and I fall over the line. Did you still beat him? on the ground. Did I beat him. I beat him. I beat him. And this is the funniest part. I don't know if this is a compliment. I'll leave it to you. His buddy films this thing, right? And he runs over. He goes over the barrier because there's a, a whole mm -hmm. bunch of people watching. And there's like, you know, the mm -hmm. barrier where all the lines are and whatever. But he runs over the barrier and he gets in his, uh, he gets in his face and goes, that fat old bald guy beat you. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, man. But so then I didn't get the kick. Oh. And then I broke my foot the other day. Oh. I'm on one leg now, and I don't get the kick this year either. Oh, so I'm uh, I'm super annoyed about that. But I do have a TikTok challenge, mm -hmm. the NFL Draft Challenge. So you should put that up there because that is a hoodie for the winner. Another great episode here on the Spainer and Riggs uh, podcast. You know, it's going to be exciting for next week as well because we got Spainer checking out the NFL Draft. I'm sure you're going to see some cool videos on TikTok. We've also got a great interview with Peyton Barch, big-time swimmer. We're excited to see him and talk to him, and you're going to want to see that episode. And, of course, at the draft, we're going to follow along with Gutierrez to see how it goes and hopefully gets drafted. I think probably the first-ever minus State football player drafted in the NFL, actually, I think might be true. So great episode. See you next time.